Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. I'm alright, nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? Well, good morning and happy Tuesday to you, or shall I say Fat Tuesday to you. It's the Morning Jam. I'm Janet Rose. Our number, 866-916-3776, is the number you can uh, call in to talk about whatever is on your mind this morning. I hope you're off to a good start so far. Here's your thought of the day. Do your bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that can overwhelm the world. And heaven knows we could use a little bit of that right now. Our text number, I'll give you that as well, 434-248-0704. Keep both those numbers handy and in your phones uh, so you can participate with us in the mornings. Our Mind Jam trivia today is about Fat Tuesday. I, I just simply want you to tell me, why is Mardi Gras called Fat Tuesday? Why is it called Fat Tuesday? 434-248-0704. I will tell you, it's not for the reason that I thought. I thought I knew this answer, but I did not know it. So, there you go. We'll have that answer coming up. We'll even have some Mardi Gras-themed food for you for Five and Dine today. Last night, I made a curry so I went kind of the Indian route last night. And I love I love curry. I love to make curry. Apparently, I got it a little warm. Uh, my Mark was not. He was, yeah, steaming just a little bit. I had to tone that down a little bit for him. So, and, and I did. But apparently, I, I got a little overboard with the heat on that uh, last night. On this day in history, in 1947... The first instant developing camera is demonstrated by Edwin Land at the Optical Society of America in New York City. Of course, it wasn't very long after that that every American household seemed like they had uh, a camera in it. And uh, the instant developing camera was super popular there for a long time. And it's come back again, which is I think is very interesting. You see them at weddings a lot. Now, in 1965, civil rights activist and Muslim minister Malcolm X is shot dead by the Nation of Islam followers at a ballroom in New York City. Uh, Just continuing with many of the the tragedies and shootings that happened in the 1960s. And then in 1990, the Batman theme by Danny Elfman wins the Grammy Award for Best Instrumental Composition at the 32nd Annual Grammy Awards. You can just see the car coming. I have a friend who just listens to movie themes in his car. I think he just, he listens to a lot of John Williams, listens to Danny Elfman, things like that. I don't know if he just drives around pretending like he's the characters. I'm not really sure. He's an interesting man. Uh, We've got birthdays today. My daughter's birthday is today. Yes, it is. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Bailey. She's my biggest celebrity of the morning. Uh, Actor Kelsey Grammer also having a birthday today, turning 68 years old. Hello, Seattle. Uh, This is Dr. Fraser Craig. I'm listening. Yes, he is. 
always. Uh, one of the Baldwin brothers is having a birthday today. This one is William Baldwin. He is turning 60 years old today. Actress Jennifer Love Hewitt is turning 44 years old. Uh, sure, she's known for a lot of things, including the ghost whisperer. Jim is not just out there somewhere. He's here in this man's body. Melinda. No, he took a chance out of love and out of loyalty for the one person who meant everything to him, even though he knows it doesn't make any sense. That is what love is. There you go. I'll confess, that's a guilty pleasure show for me. The Ghost Whisperer. Yes. Yep. Uh, actress Tyne Daly is having a birthday today. She's turning 77 years old. She is a sassy lady. Here she is in anger management. My, my anger is ignited by a society that pays lip service to its children while treating them as nothing more than a marketing demographic and by schools that are falling apart and teachers so numbed by, by violence and fear that they've stopped teaching. But what's really pissing me off today is a room full of supposed grown-ups who think that, that bad drivers and loud talkers and hips are worth getting angry about when all the rest of that actual evil is loose in the world. I think I just got a glimpse of myself in 25 years. <laughs> just, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm watching this going, holy crap. I think maybe that could be me in, in a few decades. Uh, singer Mary Chapin Carpenter is having a birthday today. She is turning 65 years old. And then finally, actor Christopher Atkins is having a birthday today. Some of you may remember him. Some of you may not. But I had to include him for all you girls out there who had a Blue Lagoon poster on your bedroom wall. You know what you look like now, Em? You look like one of those pictures Patty had in his drawer. One of his hoochie-goochie girls. I do not. I do not. Hoochie-goochie, hoochie-goochie. Stop that, Richard, or I'll never talk to you again. Hoochie-goochie, hoochie-goochie. A terrible movie. Terrible. But pretty much everybody watched it back in the day. So there was that. Uh, our number, our text number is 434-248-0704. And our uh, Mardi Gras themed Mind Jam trivia today because it is Fat Tuesday. And our question was pretty simple. We wanted you to tell us why do we call Fat Tuesday Fat Tuesday? So that was our, our question. Most people are saying um, because people just eat too much and they get fat. <laughs> I mean, sort of, but no, that's not what we're not what we're looking for. Well, it all is about today. like this is the, you know, Lynn starts this week, right? Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, we're approaching Easter. I know what Lynn starts Tomorrow, Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is tomorrow. So it, right. I, I would assume it's like, since you give up something on Lent. Feast all you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the the indulgence Have day. you ever given up anything for Lent? I've tried. You have? What have you tried? You know, the basics, like soda, candy. Chocolate. Yeah. Things like that. Okay. Give it up My church Lent. used to do a pancake. We do, uh, before, like, we do pancake a pancake dinner. Mm-hmm. For um, and typically, 
So like well, it is National Pancake Day. So so is I that went a, through conf- like thing? I'm not a Catholic. I'm not Catholic, but I went through confirmation. Okay. Um. So like the kids who were going through confirmation, if there was a group, they would run it. But so we did the pancake dinner, and then you would do the little cross and. Yeah, well, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of food things today. It's National Pancake Day. It's National Sticky Bun Day. If anyone wants to bring us pancakes. Fest Nosh Day. Is that really... Are pancakes something that you can... Have you ever ordered pancakes to go? Yeah. Really? I could crush some pancakes. Like, Oh, I have no doubt. I've seen you eat. I have no doubt you could crush them. Give me a snack, a stack. I almost said a snack, but a stack. (laughs) And you're good to go. I just kind of like eat them like tacos. I fold oh. them and I dip it. And oh, just... okay. So you don't eat them like regular. I'll sometimes, if they're big, like if they're the little ones, like dime, I think that's called. Silver dollar. Yeah. Pancakes. Yeah. I'll, I'll eat them like, like, a, like I'll fold them. And... But if they're big ones, like the ones you get at IHOP or Cracker Barrel, I'll uh, cut them up. I don't eat pancakes. At... Now, my husband makes great pancakes. Um, I, And he always makes the pancakes. I never make the pancakes. But, Mark, are you listening? Yeah, he, yeah, he's he's great at at pancake making. Um, I don't usually do that, but I have a girlfriend. She'll order pancakes all the time. We went to a restaurant for breakfast. I met her for breakfast. We ordered pancakes. She ordered just regular pancakes, and I ordered um, some of the whole grainy kind of, you know, multi-grain pancakes. That's Disappointed. What, that's what I ordered, and my pancakes came, and they were fantastic. They were so good. I'm like, man, I never get pancakes, but these are are really, really good. And she's like, my pancakes are terrible. I don't understand because they're always so good. They had, they had switched. Switched. Yeah, yeah. That's why she got she got my healthy pancakes, and I got her not healthy pancakes. That's why. But I really enjoyed mine. They were great. We'll be back with the answer with uh, our Mon Jam trivia coming up in just a little bit. We'll take a look at the headlines of the day here on the Morning Jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the Morning Jam. We are the Morning Jam. Well, happy Fat Tuesday to you from all of us here on the Morning Jam. Our question of uh, Mind Jam Trivia was about Fat Tuesday. I just wanted you to tell me why Mardi Gras is called Fat Tuesday. Uh, lots of people said they they thought because people were eating really fatty foods before Lent. Uh, Mardi Gras is actually French and translates to Fat Tuesday. So that's why it's called Fat Tuesday because in, in French, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday and it is the last day to feast before fasting for Lent. So I guess if you said that, that would be correct. But uh, what I was actually looking for is Mardi Gras literally translates to Fat Tuesday. Um, But the question was, why is Fat Tuesday Fat Tuesday? Right? um, Why why Mardi Gras is called Fat Tuesday. Oh. Yeah. Why is Mardi Gras called? So either one. I would have accepted either one of those. Um, But yeah, apparently they are throwing down uh, today mm-hmm. as they are getting ready <laughs> does it make you want to go only in in uh, new orleans does it make you want to go to a funeral 
Well, you know, like a lot of spring breaks for like tech, like colleges this this week, and so they would go to you know go to New Orleans. I had friends go to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. I always wanted to go to Mardi Gras when I was a kid until I actually went to New Orleans. I find New Orleans to be a very dark place. I don't um, like oppressively. I don't know the atmosphere. I I did not. I did not enjoy uh, my trip to New Orleans. I know a lot of people do. And that's fine. It just, just not my, my cup of tea, I guess you could say. Not what I love. Well, it's time for our Don Lemon update. Uh, we've been following Don Lemon as, uh, you just wonder how many times he can dodge the bullet. And he has dodged quite a few over the last few years. But he just remains, you know, upright in, in everything he has to face. Uh, this is a little different from some of the other things he's had to uh, to f- fight back in his 17 years at CNN. Um, he really overplayed his hand when he was super critical of uh, presidential candidate Nikki Haley, calling her past her prime because she's a 50-year-old woman. Um, despite the internal fire, his job, they're saying, remains safe for now, is how it's being worded. CNN boss Chris Litch told staff late yesterday that Lemon will be returning to CNN this morning on Wednesday and is undergoing formal training. He said he sat down with Don and had a frank and meaningful conversation, and he's agreed to participate in formal training as well as continue to listen and learn. Okay says, we take this situation very seriously. Uh, It's important to me that CNN balances accountability with fostering a culture in which people can own, learn, and grow from their mistakes. To that end, Don will return to CNN this morning on Wednesday. Not that it really matters. Nobody's really watching anyway, but still. Uh, Lick is waiting to, uh, is willing to give Lemon another chance. Many of his colleagues are not, they say. Uh, he's not finding many defenders inside the network over the situation, probably because a lot of them are women. Um, many people are upset he wasn't forced out. Um, and and if he were forced out, it would probably be welcomed by a lot of people. Uh, there are a lot of people who maybe like him personally, but not professionally. A second insider, uh, when asked whether Lemon was well-liked in the building, replied, not anymore, citing a dramatic shift in recent days. But despite the animosity, the insider said, while consensus of internal network chatter is that absolutely he should go, Lemon somehow remains untouchable since he's a part of a protected class. When asked whether he's worth the headache to keep on the air, the insider quickly replied, nope. I think he should uh, bust his to make the morning show work, a third insider said, drop the ego, play well with others. I don't think that's possible. I, I just don't think that's possible for him to do that. Don Lemon's buffoonery has uh, got to be the worst in morning show since Deborah Norville replaced Jane Pauley, a longtime media executive who previously worked for CNN, said, uh, he should cut his losses and fire Don before Don subjects CNN's dwindling audience to more of this psychodrama. 
Lemon's problems go beyond on-air comments. The viewership has dipped 20% since its debut in November. Even the audience of New Day, the Jeff Zucker-era morning program that was scrapped by Licht, eclipsed its replacement. And this came after they decided in September to pull Lemon from his solo primetime gig where he struggled to maintain viewership as well. And yet, they're going to ignore all that. And they're going to keep keep going that way. We have uh, South Park is in the news quite a bit lately. They've had a, a resurgence of a 2005 episode where they literally just destroyed the whole idea of of sex changes and that type thing, uh, kind of making making fun of that whole scenario. Um, and um, oh, that just started randomly playing. And so that's been that's been on social media a lot, where they keep playing the, basically the doctor telling the character, um, "Yeah, you you don't need this procedure. You're not really a woman." But I pay pay five thousand dollars to be a woman. Yeah, well, you're not a woman. You're, you're you're just a mutilated dude. Uh, so that's been popping up a lot about South Park. I wonder if they're going to be retroactively canceled, even though they're known for being irreverent. Now, Meghan Markle is uh, is said to be, quote, upset and overwhelmed by a portrayal on South Park. Hmm. Not too happy with how she's being per- portrayed on the Wednesday night episode of the adult comedy show South Park. It's titled The Worldwide Privacy Tour. A source says that Markle has been upset and overwhelmed by the episode's release and is annoyed by South Park and refuses to watch it at all. Well, that's the answer, Megan. Now, if you're going to put, put yourself in the spotlight, I mean, that's actually considered a compliment if you make South Park. I mean, that's when you know you're the big time, right? Though the Duke and Duchess were not directly named in the episode, it featured characters described as Canadian royalty and dubbed the Prince and His Wife, which clearly parodied the company, uh, the couple. In the parody, the young royal couple begged for privacy <laughs> while drawing attention to themselves. Huh, who does that sound like? The show also calls the wife's character a sorority girl actress, influencer, and victim, to which she replies, yeah, that's totally me. The prince and his wife, who wears a dusty pink outfit that clearly resembled Markle's outfit for Trooping the Color 2018, also plugs the prince's book, <laughs> wah, <laughs> the cover of which strongly spoofs Prince Harry's best-selling memoir, Spare. The episode is packed with jokes, innuendos, thinly veiled references, and ruthlessly skewers Harry and, and Markle in traditional South Park style as only they can. At one point during the episode, the prince and his wife make an appearance on a talk show, Good Morning Canada. The two walk in holding place cards, demanding privacy before sitting down to discuss the prince's new memoir. During the talk show conversation, the host asked, clearly referring to Markle's former TV show Suits and career in Hollywood, 
Isn't it true, sir, that your questionable wife has her own TV show and hangs out with celebrities and does fashion magazines? He adds, well, I just think that some privacy might say that your Instagram-loving B-word wife actually doesn't want her privacy at all. How dare you, the prince shouts. My Instagram-loving B-wife has always wanted her privacy. Oh, man. This might be one I will actually watch. And I don't watch South Park because I think it's it's pretty pretty terrible. But Megan is not happy about being spoofed in South Park. So there you go. There's one more reason for her to be, you know, a victim. Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking about um, DeSantis. You know you're really going somewhere where you've got this many people taking a swipe at you. Um, and it's not just Trump. There's a lot of folks who are kind of trying to knock the shine off the Florida governor. Uh, but DeSantis seems to be staying focused. We'll see. Um, but they're definitely going after Ron DeSantis as I think most people feel like he's going to be the biggest contender. And if anybody's going to knock Trump out of it, it's going to be DeSantis. I mean, he's got my vote. I don't know about you, but he certainly has mine. We've got your local and regional headlines coming up. Kimberly McBroom will join us from WDBJ7 and we'll take a look at that forecast as well. We kind of missed the sunshine yesterday. Let's see if we can get today right. Coming up on the Morning Jam. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Breezy and mild today with a high of 67 under mostly sunny skies. We'll bring those clouds back in tonight with a low of 41. Just a stray shower chance on Wednesday, 63 the high with a low of 52. And a very warm afternoon on Thursday. High temperatures top out around 82 degrees with partly to mostly sunny skies, lows near 50. And currently we have in the uh, Lynchburg area, uh, we have 47 degrees, 48 in Bedford, 47 in Roanoke and Salem, 48 in Danville, 47 in Appomattox, and 47 in Amherst. Well, uh, Ron DeSantis was making his rounds yesterday uh, and has certainly started moving more to the forefront. A lot of people think it's because he's going to be making his official bid for 2024 Uh, He also was asked on Fox yesterday uh, about the president's surprise visit to the Ukraine and what his thoughts were. Did he think that was a good move? This is what he had to say during that interview. You know, Brian, I'm reminded of uh, when he was vice president, Obama and Biden uh, opposed providing lethal aid to Ukraine during those years. Uh, And then I'm also reminded that I don't think any of this would have happened, but for the weakness that the president showed during his first year in office, culminating, of course, in the disastrous withdrawal in Afghanistan. So I think while he's over there, I think I and many Americans are thinking to ourselves, okay, he's very concerned about those borders halfway around the world. 
He's not done anything to secure our own border here at home. We've had millions and millions of people pour in, tens of thousands of Americans dead because of fentanyl. And then, of course, we just suffered a national humiliation of having China fly a spy balloon clear across the continental United States. So we have a lot of problems accumulating here in our own country that, that he is neglecting. I think a lot of people would uh, agree with that uh, for sure. But uh, DeSantis didn't pull any punches in that interview uh, and continues to seem seemingly make uh, fans all over the country. Uh, in the meantime, former President Trump continues to work out his nicknames. You know, Trump is known for his negative uh, nicknames. And uh, he's tried out a few on DeSantis, none of which have really stuck. Um he still manages to kind of stay out of the the fray and builds up his resume there. Uh, I'm even more Republican back victories on issues like education, crime, immigration. Uh, he did go on a pro police tour of blue cities yesterday. He traveled to New York city, Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, met with sheriffs, chiefs of police and other law enforcement officials who say they feel unsupported by their local governments and DeSantis has not announced a 2024 presidential run, at least at this point. Eh. He, He's announced, but not announced. He hasn't officially announced. You don't do that if you're not running for president. Well, he hasn't announced. I understand not like that. Nikki, not like Nikki Haley. I understand announced. that, but he, uh, you, you're not running for president. He's more than putting out feelers, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you're not running for president if you don't do that. If you're the governor of, of Has Florida. he wrote a book recently? Because then that's like the ultimate sign. Maybe he's in the maybe he's in the progress. No, uh, he's releasing an autobiography. Okay, there, there it is. You go. That's my so no joke. We had a running joke, which also is kind of true. Is the ultimate sign to tell someone is running for? And this was started my senior year of high school government class. Mm. The ultimate sign to tell someone's running for president is if they release a book because that's how they start their fundraising. Right. Well, uh, then he is definitely going by the playbook, uh, releasing an autobiography. Shout out to Mister Eikenberry. On February 28th, titled The Courage to be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival. Uh, it is viewed by political pundits as yet another sign. Um, he's readying an announcement. Trump recently insisted on his Truth Social site that contrary to his frequent mocking and name-calling of DeSantis, he rarely thinks about the governor. <laughs> okay. I don't even I don't even think about it. A very unimportant subject to me, he declared, which tells you right there DeSantis is living rent free in Trump's head. Uh, the former president targeted DeSantis days later after Fox News reported the details of his pro police tour. Um, Sunday night, Donald Trump, who says he doesn't even think about Ron DeSantis, wrote Ron DeSanctimonious wants to cut your Social Security and Medicare. Closed up Florida and its beaches. Love rhinos. Paul Ryan, Jeb Bush, Carl Rove. Disasters all. Is backed by Globalist Club for No Growth, Lincoln Pervert Project, and Uninspired Koch, and only gets worse from there. He's a rhino in disguise whose poll numbers are dropping like a rock. Good luck, Ron. That is a big tweet for someone... Who you don't even think about, you, isn't it? You want to know something interesting? And I, I, I wanted to Google because 
Because honestly, this is a good indication of like where everyone stands. You know who's the favorite to be the president of the United States according to Vegas? I don't know. Ron DeSantis, plus 225. How about that? And then Trump. Really? Then, yeah, Trump. Trump's second, plus 350. According to Vegas. Plus 400. So if you wanted to put money on. Uh, interesting. Glenn Youngkin makes the list. He's uh, 50 oh, okay. to 1. Right behind Michelle Obama. And the next one is The Rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, best looking president ever. 66 to 1. Um, wow. So there you go. He's uh, plus 1. So for just the nominees, plus 120. Which basically means to you bet $100, you win $120 if anyone... Mm-hmm. Trump's one. So it, they do acknowledge that it's it's close between Trump and DeSantis, but it's interesting which how that's Which is that's why flipped. he doesn't, which is why he doesn't like him. Um, the virtually one-sided feud between Trump and DeSantis began in November when he started trying out the term Ron DeSantimonious just three days before the midterm election. Um, Trump told one news outlet, if he did run, I will tell you things about him that won't be very flattering. I know more about him than anybody other than maybe his wife, who's really running his campaign. <laughs> Lord. Uh, I don't know. Um, a day after the election, uh, Trump lashed out to DeSantis again, writing, Now that the election in Florida is over and everything went quite well, shouldn't it be said that in 2020, I got 1.1 million more votes in Florida than Ron D. got this year. I'm just asking. <laughs> he later unleashed a 400-word tirade against DeSantis, slamming the governor as average and lacking class and loyalty. He criticized DeSantis for ordering lockdowns in Florida, saying the governor didn't have to close up the state but did, unlike any other Republican governor. And he credited himself for uh, DeSantis's gubernatorial win uh, against Democrat Andrew Gillum. So, again, I just say that's an awful lot of talk about somebody who you don't ever think about. That's my only observation about that. We got a caller now. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Hi. Hey, Janet. How many how many people do uh, Trump live rent free in? Huh. Does- He's throwing it out there. How many does he live? I, said, oh, I, I think people readily admit that they that they hate him. <laughs> they they think yeah, about him far I too mean, often. It's <laughs> yeah, look at Liz Cheney. But uh, oh, are you there? I think we lost him. Uh, you'll have to try back. You're must be in a bad bad zone. Um, Look, Trump. Trump lives in everybody's head, and I'm, I mean, good or bad, he he lives in a lot of people's heads. I just think it's really interesting that, um, it, and it's like you say, when you start seeing things like even these Vegas poll numbers, obviously people think he's going to stand a very good chance uh, at doing well. How did Nikki Haley do on that? On that one, I mean, delete it. I'm just. Oh, sorry. Well, uh, don't well, worry about it. Give me a second. It, it's just, my I. Take me thirty seconds. But it's she it is, is in the mid pack. So okay. the the th- I guess quote unquote third Republican is is Pence at twenty five to one. Nikki Haley is thirty three to one. Okay. Um. Biden right. Biden's third overall four plus four hundred. Then Gavin the, Newsom. Gavin Newsom four. and Ugh. Kamala Harris are tied at fourteen to one, and then Buttigieg at twenty two to one. 
Well, all I know is this. When it comes to, to dealing with Trump and all these other people... Um, Amy, Klobuchar, Ben Carson, and Candace Owens all have the same amount of odds. Really? Uh, how about that? Well, poor Ben. All I know is uh, when it comes to, to dealing with Trump and all these other people, I, I think Ron DeSantis is taking his cues. gotta love it it's time for janet's five and dine on the morning jam give her five minutes and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight five and dine is brought to you by fnl market there on memorial avenue in lynchburg cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day and working hard to keep their prices low so you can keep your food bill in check well it's fat tuesday so what better way to celebrate Fat Tuesday than to give you a big old delicious Louisiana recipe. Today, we're going to be making up some jambalaya. Uh, this one, we're going to be featuring F&L Marcus, uh, Market's skinless chicken thighs and uh, their smoked sausage. They have a great array of smoked sausages there uh, for this recipe. You're going to start in a Dutch oven. You're going to add the chicken and the sausage, chop the chicken up and the sausages, and cook them until it's nice and browned on all sides, about 10 minutes. Then remove it to uh, paper towels, paper plates. Then you're going to add in your onion, bell pepper, celery, garlic, and bay leaves. A little Creole seasoning, some thyme and oregano, and cook it over medium heat until the vegetables are nice and tender. That'll take about five to seven minutes. Then you're going to stir in your rice and just toast that until it's fragrant. Make sure you do that before you add in the chicken stock. Then you're going to put in your chicken stock, your tomatoes, put that chicken and sausage back in there, bring it to a boil over high heat. Then you're going to reduce that heat, put the cover on it, and just stir it occasionally until the rice is tender. It's going to take about 20 minutes and then just garnish it with some scallions uh, if you like. I will confess, when I make this for my boys, I usually have to throw in some shrimp there at the end as well. That's how they like it. Uh, Wanting to celebrate Fat Tuesday in a delicious way that's going to put dinner on the table in a flash, give this jambalaya a try. It's uh, going to be on our Facebook page. Just type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find all the recipes that we share. Brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are a cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the Morning Jam. The Morning Jam. Easy come, easy go. Will you let me go? Bismillah. No, we will not let you go. Our number, 866-916-3776. So a four-day work week. What do we think about that? That's in the news this morning. Uh, Apparently, they've tried it out for about six months in the UK. I'm down. And it's gone quite well, they're saying. They're saying that uh, uh, the four-day work week has gotten a tryout in the UK. Dozens of British companies have volunteered to take part in a pilot program offering four-day work weeks for employees. The six-month trial uh, it w- included 30 firms that agreed to allow staff to work up to 32 hours a week without cutting their wages or benefits. 
Now, we did a story, what was that, last week? Was it last week? That we talked about um, uh, how if you really want to break, you don't take off Friday or Monday. You take off a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about is, that. Is what, they, is what they were saying. Um, but uh, evidently, that's not how they've done they've done this one but is that something that i mean you're you say you're all about it i don't know uh they're saying the four-day work week is here to stay that's what the the people who participated in the trial are saying um of those 56 companies 92 percent opted to continue now the question is do you work like so you would have to make up what eight hours so you'd work 10 hour days right because you still well uh, are you still working 40 32 it said 32 hours a week okay um so well i I would still need to technically work 40 hours given i'm an hourly employee so huh most companies involved had sizes with 2900 staff overall said productivity was maintained said their well-being and work life the staff said their well-being and work-life balance had improved showing employees were much less likely to quit their jobs as a result of the four-day work week, um, calling it a major breakthrough. These incredible results show that a four-day week with no loss of pay really does work. The founder of a craft brewery involved in the trial said the trial encouraged greater productivity in a shorter period of time. We want to be more busy and less stressed. The report quoted the founder is saying, are you a fan of this? 866-916-3776. Do you think this is a good idea? Would it work in America? I mean, shoot, we can't get people to work anyway. Maybe if they only had to work four days. Although I will say this. Had taxes done yesterday. And we always run it, you know, separately with, you know, just mine, just Mark's who makes a lot more money than I do. He was getting money back. I was, I would have had to have paid. That is messed up. I mean, they, they just go after the little people. It's just messed up for all they say of, Oh, we're just going to tax the rich more. Uh, no, I cry BS on that one. For some employees who were surveyed, the extra day off was more important than a pay raise. They said, no amount of money would induce them back to a five-day week. And see, that's the problem. If they get used to that and then they have to go back for the same amount of money, then they end up feeling slighted. So your point. how's that going to work? It's the same thing with the $15 an hour um, minimum wage. People who felt like they were doing okay. You know, they, they had worked hard to get to where they were making $15 an hour. And then all of a sudden, the kid who's, you know, still in high school slinging a burger is making the same amount of money that you're making in a job that you've been doing for 25 years. I mean, that that mentally had a very negative impact on a lot of workers in America. And I said that at the time when they were talking about doing this. I was on the air with Larry Dowdy, and we talked about it in at length about what a horrible idea this was, how, you know, pretty soon we were going to be having to check ourselves out at the um, 
grocery store and in restaurant, which has all happened mm-hmm. now. And, um, and, and people are discontent. Companies from the marketing and advertising, professional services, and charity sectors were most represented in the trial, to put context to that. 66% of those participating had 25 or fewer employees. 22% had 50 or more. Which four days employees worked varied, as you were asking about that. Some staff had Wednesdays off. Others had a three-day weekend policy. So based on what we learned last week, Wednesday is, is the day that you give off for your employees for them to feel, you know. Rejuvenated. Or the most rejuvenated. That's, and that was a scientific study where they talked about that. Uh, the trial's evidence that a four-day work week helps retain staff could prove powerful in Britain, where there is a labor shortage since departure from the European Union and the pandemic. And they think it's going to give them a competitive advantage. A senior manager at an insurance firm said in a a trial of the four-day weeks. Um, It looks like listeners are kind of in favor of that. I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, I don't want to. If I can make the same amount of money and not work as much, I think that's a yes. Well, but but see, here's the the thing. Depending on what kind of, of job you have. Are you just going to have be covered up with stuff? I mean, it's like going on vacation. You come back from vacation, and then you're just swamped. So if you're taking off in the middle of the week, is your Thursday just going to be awful because of everything? And how does that work for some people? Are you just going to close your doors on Wednesdays? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, Carla says... It won't work. That it's not going to work. That um, there's too many companies that would be impacted negatively. And I guess there's some people that it would be almost impossible to do that, like restaurants and things. I don't know how they would do that. I don't know. But it was an interesting observation that you know they participated in that, and a lot of them are are going to be sticking to it. So interesting coming up in our next hour um we're going to be taking a look at what virginia lawmakers need to be addressing ahead of a a deadline it it seems like we're not getting a a ton done of course we're our general assembly is pretty divisive um but i mean everything from abortion to transgender student rights to you know pot and mushrooms they're having to talk about a lot of different uh, a variety of topics. So we'll talk about that in the next hour. A couple more people weighing in on the four-day work week. Uh, Trudy says, if you move to 10-hour days, what about school pickups and drop-offs? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a valid, valid point. What do you think kids. about it? What do I think about four-day? I, I mean, I just don't, I think there's a lot of businesses. I would, I would like it personally, but I think there's a lot of businesses that that would be impossible to do. How am I going to do a four-day week? We just yeah. don't, don't do a show yeah. on Wednesday? That's That was the uh, only know. thing I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's going to be some jobs. You can't just, oh, it's, you know, we're going to close our, our restaurant on Wednesdays now. We're always going to be closed on Wednesdays now. And, I mean, some I restaurants would... do that, but then they're open seven days a week. 
I guess, so. theoretically speaking with those, you just had, which a problem is you don't have enough staff. You would just need enough staff where they would only work four days. Right, exactly. So I don't think there's any employee working seven days each week. Oh, uh, you'd be surprised in the right. restaurant industry, especially, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you who is working seven days a week, and that's usually the owner. Got it. <laughs> They're the ones doing that for sure. Uh, Teresa said she'd rather have a three-day weekend rather than be off on Wednesday. I don't know. After I read and learned about that last week, I think Wednesday might be the way to go. Like, mentally, might be the best break of all. Bill Trafiro's on the way from the Roanoke News Desk. CBS is next. You're listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA-FM Greta Danville. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Breezy and mild today with a high of 67 under mostly sunny skies. We'll bring those clouds back in tonight with a low of 41. Just a stray shower chance on Wednesday, 63 the high with a low of 52. And a very warm afternoon on Thursday. High temperatures top out around 82 degrees with partly to mostly sunny skies, lows near 50. And currently, we have 49 degrees in Lynchburg, 48 in Bedford, 48 in Roanoke and Salem, 50 in Danville, 49 in Appomattox, and 49 in Amherst. Well, we've been talking about four-day work weeks. It would seem like the four-day week is uh, here to stay in the U.K., firms who are in the world's largest trial. You've been weighing in on that both by phone and by text. Uh, We had a, a text from Lynn says she loves working for 10-hour shifts. Typically, she gets Mondays off, giving her a three-day weekend, and she loves it. Well, there you go. we got Kevin on the line this morning. Good morning. You're on the Morning Jam. Hi. Good morning. It's good to hear from you. You know, I have a lot of customers that they enact the four-day work week, and what they do, and, and again, I understand this is the staffing and all, but uh, uh, they will flip-flop uh one will take off Friday, and then will take off Monday. So oh, okay. And a lot of guys that I, that I call them that, that get in that rotation, they like it a lot because um, when they get home anyways, um, if they're working like a 7 to 3.30, two hours, it's not a whole lot to do anything. So they just rather just work the 10 hours like Monday through Thursday. Right. And then when you get Friday, if you're going to get into a project, uh, Friday or Saturday, uh, you've got the entire day with all your daylight that you need. And then a lot of people, um, they, they like that three-day work week because they can tag in a day off, and then, and then you've got a four-day uh, little mini vacation, and it gives you time to get out of town for a couple of days or so. Right. So there's a lot of pros and cons to it. And... Uh, I hear, you know, uh, you know, a happy employee is one who's going to stay around for a while, and that's what you really want. I mean, they're going to be staying around, and, and they're not going to go behind your back and do halfway work. I mean, they're, they're going to do it to, to the they best of their ability. They want to keep that job, so. sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think depending so, on the kind of business it is, I, I think, um, mm-hmm. but, that, but that's a, a really good thought um, when, when you explain that, how not everybody's off on the same day and... And they kind mm-hmm. of rotate it that way. And if you have enough people, mm-hmm. you can do that. I sure. mean, it's the and most it's, expensive uh, part of your business, for sure. You know, you lose an employee, oh, yeah. you have to rehire and retrain. It's, it's so much more expensive than retaining a good employee, for sure. Yep. 
Yep, and it just uh, it produces a lot of goodwill, mm-hmm. and it's it's good chatter, you know, around the coffee pot first thing in the morning. So uh, you don't have everybody, you know, pissing and moaning, griping and groaning right. about this, that, and everything else. And they and they're and they're refreshed, and they're ready to go to work. And the thing about taking off Wednesday, Wednesday would just kill the whole work week because if you're into a project. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and you want to finish it up on Wednesday. Well, you take a day off and you come back on Thursday. It, it just it just kills the mojo, that, and and that's what you don't really want to do. But that's that's what I that's what I've seen out there. A lot of people like it, um, and they and they push for it. So uh, huh. that's my take in the real world. Well, there you go. Well, thank you very much, you sir. Go. Appreciate All it. Right. All right, uh, Trudy said I had a job when I was in my twenties where I worked for a lab. For an OB office, three of us would work four tens and rotated. One would get Friday, one would get Monday, and the next would get a random weekday. We just rotated through that, and I did enjoy it. You would get long weekends and a day during the week for appointments and errands, but I wouldn't enjoy a set schedule or something outside of childcare hours. Yeah, I mean, depending on what your work life is like, I guess that could be a problem. But, I mean, after... Reading through the bulk of the text and some of the phone calls, it seems like a lot of people are are in favor of what the U.K. has already figured out. Um, And I know there's some American companies who have have done that as well, and it has helped them retain good employees. So it might definitely be something worth thinking about. Uh, There's probably going to be old school people who are never going to agree with that. They're always going to think that's a a bad idea. But... um, Yeah, I don't know. Well, a politically divisive General Assembly has been working through hundreds of bills, not really accomplishing a whole lot during the legislative session. Some things, but um, but there's a lot of uh, hotly contested issues uh, ahead of session adjournment that's set for Saturday. Uh, Following that adjournment, Governor Yunkin will be able to take action on legislation until the 12th of April. That's when they'll reconvene again. Uh, one of the most controversial ones, of course, is the future of uh, abortion. That's still on the table front and center. Uh, a year following the overturning of Roe v. Wade, most Democrats are working to uh, protect what they call the, the right to, to, to choose, while the majority of Republicans are seeking to uh, you know, limit and save the unborn. In Virginia, lawmakers are split down the aisle on the issue, which side ultimately balancing, uh, each side ultimately balancing the other. So the state's laws appear remain mostly unchanged. So not really accomplishing much, as I, I said a minute ago. Uh, in the weeks leading up to adjournment, lawmakers have voiced their strongly worded opinions or counterpoints on what should happen uh, after the uh, uh, SJ-255, the bill that would make abortion a fundamental right through a proposed amendment to the Virginia Constitution passed the Senate on February 7th. It headed to the House of Delegates. It states in part that it provides that every individual has a fundamental right to rep- reproductive freedom is the way it's worded. Uh, Senator Newman, who was one of the 18 who voted against the bill, strongly opposed it, said it was dangerous. 
said what we exposed on the floor of the Senate is this dangerous proposal because it actually allows for abortions to take place even up to and past your due date, he said. But what the constitutional amendment actually says is another story, according to the Democratic side. Cree Deeds, who was one of the 21 who voted for the bill, said that he wanted to be clear that Virginia Republicans are attempting to distract and play politics by pushing disinformation. This is not a political issue. It's a human rights issue. Unless, of course, you're a little tiny baby human living in your mom's tummy because then you don't have any rights. So there's that. Sorry. This stuff just fires me up. So basically, we're not getting a lot done there. Um, Now is the time to reach out to your representatives to make sure that they know how you feel on these subjects. Um, Other bills related in some way or another to abortion include House Bill 1395, a legislation failed to pass but proposed to declare that life begins at conception, granting the full rights of a person at conception. Um, HB 1488, that bill was left in a subcommittee but aimed to overturn Virginia laws that grant the use of public funds uh, to any entity or, or affiliate of any entity that provides abortion services or operates a facility. And then we've got H. Bill 1795. That is a bill to seek to amend Virginia code with legislation that in part requires any health care provider in the case of an infant being born alive to treat it with the same degree of care as if the infant was born in an ordinary way. The bill passed the House and then passed 9 to 6 in a Senate committee on February 16th. The uh, Senate Bill 1865 failed to pass the Committee for Courts of Justice, but proposed an amendment to give a civil penalty penalty for an abortion based on the unborn child's disability, sex, or ethnicity. There are a plethora of uh, Senate bills and um, House bills on abortion, transgender, uh, gay, gay marriage, gun laws, you need to you need to read up on a lot of these. Uh, also, the foreign land ownership. We talked with Wendell Walker Walker about this one last week. Um, according to the uh, AP, a Republican senator's bill that would prohibit foreign adversaries, including China, from purchasing or otherwise acquiring agricultural land in the state, cleared that chamber on a bipartisan basis. Governor Glenn Youngkin, who has been increasingly outspoken against that, asked for such a bill in his State of the Commonwealth speech last month, and the measure passed on February 6th. So some things are being accomplished. It's just some others, we're kind of lagging behind on that. You need to speak up, make sure that they know where you stand on many of these issues. When we return, we'll be talking about super pigs. You heard me. I said super pigs. That's what we're going to be talking about. Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, we can't. He's a pig. Look out, he is a spider pig. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to The Morning Jam. The Morning Jam. 
866-916-3776 is our toll-free number. You guys have been texting to beat the band about this four-day week that uh, has gotten the seal of approval of many uh, of the businesses in the U.K. saying that after participating in a trial, it has uh, it, it's something that they're really going to make a, a regular part of their work week. Uh, Bear said four days would even give you a chance to try your hand at starting your own business without risking too much. Well, your employer might not like that. Uh, somebody texted in, my dentist office in Lynchburg is only open four days a week. All right. Um, someone said, have you ever tried getting your vehicle inspected after work? A day off would be wonderful for running errands. And that's true. Um, you know, inspections, oil changes, tires rotated, doctor's appointments. I mean, it can be a pain to kind of manage it because, you know, people have a, a job. It's hard to kind of finagle that. So seems like you all are loving you some uh, four-day weeks. All right. So I promised you the story on the super pigs. This is not a good thing, let me tell you. These pigs are evidently incredibly intelligent, highly elusive, and are a huge threat. They are calling them Canadian super pigs. They know they don't have little... That's how you get Canadian bacon. (laughs) It's from the super pig, which is really ham. It annoys me that they call Canadian bacon bacon. Because it's just... Do they say sorry a lot, too? Probably. Because they're Canadian. (laughs) Do they say sorry a lot, Canadians? You know, like, there's... Canadians are super nice. So if they do something, they'll say sorry. Oh, I didn't even not, heard that I stereotype. Did not know that. I knew they said a a a. I knew they said that. Uh, evidently, this has been a problem that's been growing for decades, and I, I knew there was a problem with wild boar. I, I knew that. My husband, who's a hunter, will watch these hunting shows, and it'll show them, you know, going after these boars in helicopters, which I don't like to see. I don't like to see that. But apparently, these pigs are a problem. Uh, But this is more than just a boar. Uh, North America is facing a new swine-related threat, the Canadian super pig. It's a giant, incredibly intelligent, highly elusive beast capable of surviving cold climates because they can tunnel under snow and can uh, warm themselves there. And it is poised to infiltrate the northern part of our country. The emergence of the so-called super pig is a result of crossbreeding domestic pigs with wild boars and only adds to the problems that the U.S. is facing from the swine invasion. Pigs apparently not native to the U.S. and have wrought havoc in recent decades. There is an estimate that about 6 million wild or feral pigs cause about $1.5 billion of damage every year. In parts of the country, the pig's prevalence has sparked a whole new hog hunting industry where people pay thousands of dollars to mow down boar and sows with machine guns. Overall, the impact of the pigs first introduced to the U.S. in the 16th century has very much been a negative one as the undiscerning swine chomp its way through the country. We see direct competition for our native species of food. 
That, according to the assistant program manager of the Department of Ag, National Feral Swine Damage Management Program, pigs are such accomplished predators, they will opportunistically come upon a hidden animal. The males have long tusks, so they just run and grab with their mouths. They kill young fawns. They are known as nest predators. They impact turkeys and quail. The wild pigs are responsible for a laundry list of environmental damages ranging from eating innocent farmers' crops, destroying trees, polluting water. They also pose a human health and safety risk. Apparently, a pig is a mixing vessel capable of carrying viruses such as the flu transmittable to humans. I don't think I knew that. Although I've heard of the swine flu. But National Geographic said that pigs have the potential to create a novel influenza virus first pigs were brought over in 1539 with a Spanish explorer who landed in Florida with an entourage which included 13 swine. Hmm. That's not good. So now we have super, super pigs. And they're coming out of Canada, it would seem. So if you're a good hunter, you might want to check that out. Uh, some other facts about these crazy pigs. The pigs survive extreme weather they tunnel up to two meters under snow and create snow caves the fact is they're so warm inside that one of the ways we use to find the pigs is they uh, fly first thing in the morning when it's really cold and you can see steam pouring out on top of the snow that's how effective they are at creating these snow tunnels they weigh up to 250 pounds Five feet long. That, those are big pigs. Probably as late as 2010, 2012, there was a reasonable chance of finding and removing them. Now they're so widespread and abundant that by 2018 or 2019, I stopped saying that eradication was possible. They're so established now, they're here to stay. It sounds like Y'all up on the Canadian border need to be eating some wild boar a lot more. But apparently they really, they're more like rabbits than they are pigs when it comes to reproducing. So that's a problem. That's the last thing our farmers need is another super. Th See, when I looked up super pig, when I heard this story yesterday, there are all these cartoons where the pigs have like um, mask on and in capes see that i enjoy seeing but it's not that kind of super pig stay focused bear says they have russian boar in north carolina they're huge and aggressive there's a lottery system for a hunt license non-resident license is very expensive but worth it why would it be expensive if they're out of control they ought to be given the licenses and paying people who take them out it's just like the pythons in Florida. We are like living out disaster movies in parts of this country, I swear. If you made these movies, people wouldn't believe you. We're just turning into snakes on a plane. I can't remember any movies that were made about wild boars, but there's probably been one out there. may not have been a very good one, but it probably does exist. Uh, tragic story out of... Um, uh, this one in North Carolina, three people have been arrested 
for tying up and torturing a victim in a basement. Two men and a woman. And a, uh, and a woman. Um, Patrick Banks, James Angel, and Nicole Sawyer. Madison County Sheriff described the crime as a horrific incident. He said an investigation was launched after a resident reported that an unidentified person showed up at their home saying they had been kidnapped. Deputies then responded to the area, discovered the victim with numerous lacerations to the face, body, and arms. They said the victim had multiple symbols carved into their face and body, was transported to the hospital for medical treatment. Hardwood said deputies probed the area, located the residence of the alleged kidnapping. They executed a search warrant and determined that the three people I mentioned earlier had forcibly imprisoned the victim in the basement. This article isn't saying if it's a man or a woman. Tied their hands and feet to a chair with barbed wire. And then tied the victim's chest to a structural beam. Taped their mouth shut. They, um, they've been charged with assault with a deadly weapon, inflicting serious bodily harm, intent to kill, first-degree kidnapping. These are young people. Apparently... Uh, James Angel was charged with assault with a deadly weapon and uh, inflicting serious bodily injury. He had a warrant for larceny and possession of drugs from another county. The woman uh, was also charged with deadly weapon inflicting seriously bodily harm, first degree kidnapping, possession of a weapon of mass destruction. I don't know what that means, but it can't be good. Why? What is going on with these young people? They they could not be more than early 20s. I mean, I'm assuming drugs are involved. I mean, certainly with the one, uh, drugs is, is certainly involved, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, Frazier star Kelsey Grammer, he's having a birthday today, and uh, I just saw an interview with him. He um, he is in a, a new movie that is uh, very religious in nature, and it's called Jesus Revolution. And he actually teared up when he was doing the interview. Um, apparently, he he is saying now that. Um, Religion is now guiding his career, which is interesting because he had kind of a wild reputation there for a while. Um, but apparently he's returning to his to his roots of theology and uh, reading the Bible and turning to prayer and reflection. Have you seen Jesus Revolution? Apparently uh, it's being shown in a lot of churches. I'd like to hear from you if you have. We're going to take a look at your local headlines coming up with WDBJ7. Kimberly McBroom on the way here on The Morning Jam. Good morning. I'm Janet Rose. CBS News Brief. Russian President Putin says the West is to blame for not only starting but escalating the war in Ukraine. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says nope. There's a simple way to test that proposition. If Russia stops fighting the war in Ukraine and goes home, the war ends. 
President Putin made his comments during his State of the Nation address. The Russian president also made another key move today. He is pulling out of a long-time nuclear reduction treaty with the U.S. CBS's Nancy Cordes. Brace yourselves. Winter certainly isn't done with us yet. We have record cold from the northern plains onto the west coast. That frigid air actually helps set the stage for a potentially historic snowstorm stretching from the four corners all the way into the northeast today through Friday. It could actually drop up to two feet of snow in some places. Weather Channel meteorologist Stephanie Abrams, CBS News Brief. I'm Linda Kenyon. Good morning. This is Kimberly McBroom in the WDBJ 7 Newsroom with your Virginia Talk Radio Network News Update. The process to reopen a Walmart in Chesapeake where six people were killed in a mass shooting in November has started. But customers are unsure if they'll return. Walmart hasn't said exactly when the store will reopen. Central Virginians who live in the 4th Congressional District will get to cast their vote tomorrow for who's succeeding late Congressman Donald McEachin, who died nearly three months ago. State Senator Jennifer McClellan, a Democrat, will face Leon Benjamin, a Republican, in a special election to fill the seat. And the RCACP shelter in Roanoke needs volunteers to play with animals during the day. Volunteers would help with enrichment activities for dogs and cats in the shelter. That means bringing animals out of their kennels, taking them for walks, and helping to stimulate their brains. The shelter is looking for 10 volunteers a day to help out with the animals. I'm Kimberly McBroom. Join me for WDBJ 7 Morning from 4.30 until 7 every weekday morning. And join us from 7 to 9 on WZBJ 24. Are you suffering the winter blues? How about planning a warm water escape? Scuba classes are forming right now at Aquatrek Adventures. We can have you ready for a warm, relaxing excursion to sunny Florida to complete your certification. After that, the journey of your lifetime begins. Take the first step. Call Aquatrek Adventures on Mill Lane in Salem and visit our website at aquatrek.biz. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it, unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Have you fallen off the bandwagon with your New Year's resolution after the first month of the year? Well, InsaneRadioDeals.com is here to help you pick yourself back up and keep that resolution going and meet your goals this year with memberships for one, two, and even families to Crosswhite Athletic Club all at InsaneRadioDeals.com. Yes, deals for yourself, a partner, or even the whole family to Crosswhite Athletic Club. This deal and much more are on the site, so head to the site right now before they run out. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. I'm meteorologist Brent Watts. Breezy and mild today with a high of 67 under mostly sunny skies. We'll bring those clouds back in tonight with a low of 41. Just a stray shower chance on Wednesday, 63 the high with a low of 52. And a very warm afternoon on Thursday. High temperatures top out around 82 degrees with partly to mostly sunny skies, lows near 50. Currently 51 in Lynchburg, 50 in Bedford, 50 in Roanoke and Salem, 52 in Danville, 51 in Amherst, and 52 in Appomattox. Uh, well, Jerry Falwell Jr. is back in the news. Um, he is this time talking about President Jimmy Carter and... Um, 
course, Jimmy Carter is now in uh, hospice care, and there's got kind of a watch going with uh, former President Carter right now. Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. said that uh, President Jimmy Carter was surprised when he was asked to be the commencement speaker at Liberty in 2018. And uh, they said that the two found some common ground in their faith during the visit. Falwell said, we really did agree on a lot when it came to faith and matters of faith. Culturally, he said, we had a lot in common. We were both from the South, both Baptists. And he says he thinks that was a large part of why they uh, hit it off like they did. Um, as the 98-year-old spends his remaining time at home with family in hospice care, uh, Falwell reflected on the unlikely friendship, saying um, Jimmy Carter was probably one of the kindest, most favorable personal cop politicians I ever met. We really did hit it off, he said, speaking of the visit there in, uh, in 2018. Uh, Falwell's father, evangelist Jerry Falwell Sr., who founded the Moral Majority, was often critical of former President Carter. Um, Falwell feels his friendship with the former president was important. He said it felt like uh, things came full circle because there was some animosity or disagreements between my father and Jimmy Carter. Uh, Falwell said, of course, I have different politics, too, but he's just such a warm person and it goes to show you, you can be friends with anyone. It doesn't matter what your political beliefs are. Uh, Falwell said President Carter talked to him about writing a book together. They even made a second trip to Lynchburg to sit down and discuss it. He said that COVID and uh, health got in the way of that coming into uh, fruition there. But, you know, whether you agree with, with Jimmy Carter's politics or not, I think most people can agree that whether or not you thought he was an effective leader, uh, there's no doubt that uh, Jimmy Carter is a good man. No doubt about that, for sure. Uh, bird flu fears are increasing with spring migration. That is uh, a huge problem. We're seeing that certainly in the grocery stores with uh, eggs being eight dollars a dozen in many cases um, there has been a wipeout of nearly 60 million farm birds over the past year and there is a concern that another surge could be coming this way with a spring migration and that's a big concern when you have millions of ducks and geese coming through the area uh, that according to oklahoma state university ag economist rodney holcomb set of the wild flock migration that runs between February and May. So we're kind of in the, the heart of that. You have some that are infected. The next thing you know, some way or another, it's transmitted to some of those farm flocks in the area. And by the time you couple that with inflation, the bird flu has sent prices for eggs and, and broilers absolutely soaring. A pound of chicken has gone from $1.62 last year to $1.86. That's a 15% increase. Uh, a dozen large eggs have skyrocketed from a dollar ninety-three last January to four eighty-two. Oh, I beg to differ with you, sir. I've seen them higher than that. Uh, but if we go with that number, let's just for fun go with the four dollars and eighty-two cents. A hundred and fifty percent increase. 
And uh, Holcomb says it takes longer to recoup egg-laying capacity when a flock is hit by the flu outbreak. The broilers we eat are a composite breed, he said. Uh, Broilers grow fast and uh, are, you know, ready to go to slaughter by eight weeks. Uh, By contrast, it can take six months to raise a productive laying hen. So that is, that's definitely a longer recoup time. Since when you lose some 40 odd million of those at one time, it's just going to take a while to get them back. The current outbreak, which first hit commercial and backyard flocks last February, has impacted farms in 47 states. And usually the virus would die out over uh, the summer. That didn't happen this time. With high activity continuing through the fall, there's no solid figure on the impact on farms. The last significant flu outbreak in 2015 cost the industry around $3 billion. And if that's the case, I can't imagine how much it's going to cost to recover from from this one. Uh, Trudy says broilers take 8 to 12 weeks. Layers take 6 to 16 to 24 weeks. Well, I've never raised either one, so I don't know. I'll have to take your word for that. Um, Bill from Pinhook. Uh, Janet, have you been following the revival at Ashby College? Yes, I have. So it's been going on for days. Another in a small town in Kentucky might be worthwhile. A- absolutely. Let's talk about it. What do you have to say to the people who think it's uh, a fake? That's the part that's upset me more than anything else. I said over the weekend that I was ready for a road trip to Kentucky. Uh, there has been a, a huge revival, uh, it would seem, taking place in Ashbury um, and and it amazes me uh, to see what some people are saying about it. I posted this over the weekend uh, from a friend of mine that said, I've been so inspired by what's happening in Ashbury. Sure, there are naysayers, but I know this too. Many people who are there are experiencing what is happening. And then I read this. It's so good. And this is this is what it said. The revival in Kentucky will tell you a lot if you'll just listen. It will tell a tale of what works. It will sing a melody of what's needed. And don't hate me, but it isn't more church strategies. It's not a trendy stage. It's not a poppin' social media presence. Out of all the pictures I've seen, I haven't noticed any smoke. I've seen no sermon series. I can't find a cute Instagram post from a month ago of someone trendy inviting people to it. As a matter of fact, I see nothing trendy. Nothing that screams, we're the coolest church in town or mega church aspirations. And yet the lines keep forming. The hunger keeps growing. The spirit keeps falling. The healing keeps manifesting and they keep coming. They will continue while many of our lukewarm, beautiful buildings host empty seats and our church leaders argue over who gets to sing the Sunday special until something changes because we've gotten it wrong. We've booted him out of the room to keep up, to keep people happy, to keep deacons happy, and even at times to keep our budget happy. But it's always been about Jesus. 
on a dirt road somewhere making miracle mud and giving sight to the blind, sitting on a boulder, perhaps with dirty feet, telling the lonely of his father's love, Jesus helping and healing a leper, or humbly kneeling near the adulteress. People who have always thronged where he lingers, and they always will. He's never had to beg them to come. He's never had to count how many come to hear his sermon on Sunday because he's about his father's business. Priority fell in line with his purpose, and my goodness, I hope the churches can too. I've seen the Holy Ghost and fire fall from a broken-down Mississippi tent, while down the road, rigid chandeliers swung over congregations with somewhat same description, a congregation asking why no one's coming through the doors. The same ones that have asked people of the wrong color or creed to please exit the building. It's harsh, I know. I'm speaking to myself, to you, to the modern church, all of us who boast of wanting a revival, and then lay out the terms for its arrival. I hope this sparks within us a desire to get back to the basics. It goes on, but it's an amazing comment that people are paying attention to what's happening there at these revivals and that they realize that church is not entertainment um, that it's not cool, it's not trendy, um, it's it's true revival. I believe it really is, uh, regardless of what the naysayers have. And if you've got people talking ugly about this revival, you need to really ask yourself about the leadership that you have going on in, in your church, I, I think. I have been following it, Bill, and I think it's an amazing thing. We'll be back with more this morning on The Morning Jam. You want to weigh in? 866-916-3776 is our number. of the word jam to pack something tightly a machine seizing or becoming stuck a sweet preserve made from fruit a common sense radio talk show the morning jam start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam well good morning happy fat tuesday to all of you out there hopefully you're going to uh, do do something a little fun today. Maybe uh, maybe have a little jambalaya. That was our five and dine that we had earlier today. If you get a chance, you can go and uh, check that out and maybe make that to get you in the mood for uh, Mardi Gras. We're going to go to the calls now this morning on the Morning Jam. Good morning. Hi, who's Good this? Good morning, Janet. Hi. How you doing today? The truck Bob Geller. Uh, on this revival at Ashbury that happened before a number of years ago, and uh, what I've seen is that it's broken out now at Mount Vernon Nazarene College in Ohio. Coincidentally, uh-huh. I was there in the early 70s. And uh, also last night, my wife and I saw on uh, one of our missionary things that it's broken out in Uganda. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful thing. 
We need it we need it now more thing. than than we've ever needed it before. Yep, we do. We do need it. Yeah, it I think just, just makes you want to get a road trip going. Will, if my people will humble themselves, mm-hmm. then I will return and heal their land. And we definitely need a healing in this land. Yep, yep. Uh, hear us from heaven. That's uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, on, on a on a sidebar, uh, pray for my wife today. She is traveling down to Lexington to be with her mother, who is in hospice. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, uh, she's 93 years old. Oh, she'll make it the rest of this week. That's the diagnosis we got. So I'm so well. I'm 93. So... She's lived a life. Yeah, that's right. The Bible only promises us three score and ten at seventy. So she's over it by. 23 years right exactly exactly well that's uh that's i hope uh i hope she's able to to end well for sure yeah that's what we're we're praying for that yeah she just stays comfortable until she uh goes on to glory right exactly well thank you so much for calling in i appreciate that you have a great day you too so coming up on march the 11th we um we, we have a show that we're going to be doing at Second Stage in Amherst. And I've been working on that for, for several weeks now, since Christmas, really. Uh, if you get a chance and can join us, I would love for you to do that. We're going to be talking a lot. Uh, it's called Live from Rose Ridge. It's a, a live radio show. We're going to be talking a lot about American ballads and where they came from. We've got some great singers, a magnificent live band. Some wonderful storytellers are going to be coming up. Um, that's going to be March the 11th at 6 p.m. If you want more information, you can reach out to me here at the station or on Facebook, and and I can get you the details. But we're going to have a lot of fun with that show. I was talking with one of the musicians last night, Tim Eccles. He called me. We were going over band rehearsal times and that type thing, and he just had some surgery done, and he had damaged his big toe, broke a a tendon, like a, a serious surgery said, how on earth did you break your big toe? And he said, all right, I'm going to tell you. And the first thing I said was, can I tell the story on the air if it's a good one? He said, sure. His granddaughter has the virtual reality goggles, okay? So he goes over to visit her, and she's like, Grandpa, put these goggles on. He said he put them on, and everything looked, he said, Janet, everything looks so real. I mean, it, it really felt like you were on a city street. It, it, was, it was so real. I go, I go into an elevator. I push the elevator button. I go up 50 stories in this building. And when the elevator opens, there's a plank. <laughs> and the voice says, walk the plank. And he said, and I was doing so good. I was, I was telling my brain, you're in the living room. You're not 50 floors up. You can walk the plank. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to walk the plank. And he said he did. He walked all the way out. He turned around and he started walking back. About halfway back on the plank, his daughter thought it would be funny to just shove him a little. In which case, he thought he was falling. He said, I knew I was in my living room, but my brain said, you're falling 50 stories. And he said, and I completely was flailing, and he fell, and he and uh, and he damaged I, himself. <laughs> I busted my knuckle hole 
uh, doing that. Um, they have a boxing one of these, uh-huh. and so um, and like I was near like a metal chair, and I had the thing <laughs> on, and I was just like throwing punch after punch after punch, and I hit it, and I hit the chair, the metal, and it it you can kind of still see oh, the yeah, scar. Oh yeah, you can still see the scar. So I I he busted says my it's knuckle. It's a cautionary tale. Especially grandparents should not wear the the virtual reality. It was goggles. funny. I think I saw the video. Of my dad like doing the fishing thing. It's really funny it's, to watch my dad do not, it. It's not. But if somebody's walking, a it's plane, weird. It, 50- you are immersed, like because it it takes all your sense because you wear. It's over the ears, and then you wear headphones. But leave people alone. You're, if they're if they're doing this, don't be don't think it's funny if they think they're walking 50 stories up to push somebody it, yeah so i mean he's that's going to be an expensive game by the time he gets those bills in so but the good news is he's you know he's doing well he'll be able to do the march 11th show let's face it that's all i was worried about no i'm kidding i was worried about his foot too it's, he's good he's fine that's a good thing um a couple of things uh, about tomorrow's show tomorrow we we've given a little bit of time for uh, passions to rest. Uh, we're going to revisit Lynchburg City Council tomorrow to see how we are on this later. episode. The real councilman of Lynchburg. I, I know. Seriously, we need a theme song uh, to get to get going. Uh, I'm I'm hoping cooler heads are are prevailing, but I don't know. I've said that before and it didn't happen. So we're definitely going to be uh, addressing that on tomorrow's show. Uh, Marty Mischens, I know, is going to be joining us. I'm hoping that uh, Stephanie and Jeff will uh, as well. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that. uh, But that's going to be on tomorrow's show. Well, I do owe an apology to the uh, Postal Service in the region. I I said that I thought quite possibly they were the worst Postal Service ever. Uh, I stand corrected. Uh, A London man who received a letter addressed to uh, to a former resident of his home was shocked to discover it had been mailed in 1916. <laughs> so, so now it's our our mail service is looking great at this point. Finley Glenn said the letter arrived a couple of years ago, as at his address on Hamlet Road in South London, but it was addressed to an unfamiliar name and bore an extremely old stamp and postmark. He said, we noticed that the year on it was 16. We thought it was 2016, which, in all fairness, would be pretty ridiculous considering it's 2023. But then when they noticed the stamp was a king rather than a queen, we thought, well, it couldn't have been 2016. The letter was addressed to Mrs. Oswald Marsh and was made out to my dear Katie. The sender was identified as Cristobal Mennell. Once we realized it was very old, we felt like it was okay to open up the letter. Glenn recently took the letter to the Norwood Society, a local historian historian group that publishes the Norwood Review. They say it's very unusual and quite exciting in terms of giving us a lead into local history and people who lived in Norwood, which was a very popular place for the upper, upper middle classes, says Stephen Oxford. Mental wrote in the letter that her family was vacationing in Bath, England. It remains unclear why the letter took so long to arrive at its intended destination. We appreciate that people will be intrigued by the history of this letter from 1916, but we have no further information on what might have happened. That was the official statement from the Royal Mail. (laughs) So, 
there you go. Not really sure what happened there. Well, we will say goodbye for today. And as we leave you, uh, we were talking about the revivals that have been taking place around the country and around the world. Lots of you have been calling and texting about that today. So I thought we would end with this song this morning. As we journey, hear us from heaven, touch our generation. We are your people, crying out in desperation. Lord, hear our cry. Hear our cry. Listening to the Virginia Talk Radio Network, 100.9 WIQO Forest and 106.3 WMNA FM Greta Danville.